Okay, today's guest is a good friend of mine, Mr. Rodney Salder. Um, kind of had a bit of a discussion before we started recording this as to how I would refer to Rodney's past. And I think we agreed that we refer to your past as street life is probably the best way to describe it. So you've come from the streets, you've come from a, a bit of rough and tumble background, and now you are a, I mean, for me, you're a real estate guru like you know a bit more than me a bit more is enough so i'm happy to call you a real estate guru but you're starting to build a real estate empire how the fuck are you rodney are you well i'm doing good man doing good pleasure to be here with you you're one of my favorite people out there um funny a little crazy like me yeah speak mine and and, and you want to enjoy life and get the best out of it so i'm excited to be here absolutely absolutely I wanted to dive in. Uh, we'll get onto your real estate and how you get on, get how you got onto that, and what sort of drew you into the space. But I wanted to get give people a bit of a an insight into your background. Um, we've had candid conversations in the past, um, so I know a little bit more about you. But if you could just tell the listeners a bit about your history, um, it was a little bit rocky, a bit checkered. Um, but just tell us a bit about how you spent your time as a, a young boy, young teenager, running around, uh, how you kept yourself busy and what sort of shenanigans you got yourself into. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, so the first few years of my life was uh, pretty, you know, just a pretty, pretty regular life. And, uh, you know, regular things that kids go through and, then, you know, uh, for whatever reason, you know, my mother and father didn't work out. So, you know, once my dad left, it was like a really noticeable difference financially. And, um, you know, so that's where things started to take a turn. And, you know, my mother did a great job. You know, she did the best she could. But, you know, there's, a, there's an advantage in a two-family home, having that guidance of a man. Now, these are things that I'm talking about now that as I understand them. But as a kid, you don't really process this stuff. So... You know, just bear with me. Is is if I if I sound like I I didn't know this was going on back then. This is me talking as an adult, understanding a little bit more. But uh, you know, once he left, then it was a little bit a little bit more rocky, and we um, ended up, you know, getting evicted. Um, is that for in the UK? Evicted? Does that mean the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we ended up getting evicted and, you know, bounced around, homeless, you know, lived from place to place. I would say that I lived in a total of 20 different addresses. Uh, the place I live right now, I've been here for 18 years. So before this address, I lived in about 20 different addresses, including a um, homeless shelter. And also I lived in the YMCA a little bit. When I was, you know, maybe in my early 20s. That's basically being homeless as well. And uh, a little stint in between there, hanging out in the street and, you know, getting involved in all the things that that lends. The street life, uh, a lot of drinking, a lot of smoking, you know, dabbling in the drugs, dabbling in selling it, selling the drugs. Um, So I grew up in the uh, mid to late 80s and into the early 90s. So that was that uh, 
if everybody's familiar with it here in the states, that was at the crack era. That's, that's what they call the crack era. Yeah. So, yeah, neighborhood was infiltrated with crack, and you know, I just got involved. I got into got knee deep into that life. So uh, that led me to do to do some things that I'm not necessarily proud of, but you know, you know, for me, I feel like if I didn't go through those things, I didn't do those things, and I wouldn't be the person I am today. Yeah. Yeah. So were you were you running drugs on the street at one point then? Yeah, I was I was I was was, was considered a, a street a corner corner boy, you know. Yeah. Like I was on the corner. I wasn't a big time dealer. I was just one of those uh guys on the corner that like pretty much you're the lowest of the low, but you still can make money. So a guy like that, you can you can still make you know, 5 600 dollars in a day. Wow. You know, you're talking about 14 15 years old tax free money. Yeah. Uh had I had I know what I know now, it might have been invested, but uh <laughs> yeah. Back then it was more like, hey, you know, you make it, you spend it. Um and I actually I, before before I was even a teenager, I the first time I encountered encountered anything drug related, I was asked to bring a, a paper bag with something in it to somebody. Hey, hey, hey little man, bring this over to Lee, you know? Yeah. And I bring it to you. Gave me ten bucks. You know, for like nine, ten years old, you get ten bucks. You know that for at that age, I was thinking about in quarters. You know, to go to the arcade. So I got ten bucks. I get all these quarters and I go play arcade game. So I actually was involved indirectly with it as you know, as young as nine, ten years old. Mm. And then from once I got once I became a teenager, it was just kind of like. Everybody was kind of out there. And if if I told you that you could uh, hang out with your friends, go meet some girls, make some money, and you know you can get high. You know if you want to drink, you get to have a drink. You know, and like I said, and you get paid for it. As a kid, who doesn't want to? Well, let me say in my mindset, like who wouldn't want to hang out with your friends and whatever? You know, holla at the, holla at the young ladies and make a little cash. So it just became one of those things where, you know, you just, you just did it. You didn't think about whether it was good or bad. In retrospect, we know what it was, but at that age, I was just kind of hanging out. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I can understand the appeal, especially for people that grow up seeing that and are influenced by that kind of I'm going to call it a culture. It's like a microculture, isn't it? For sure. Um, I mean, it almost develops a sense of entrepreneurialism then. And to earn, like you say, five or 600 bucks a day for preteens, you know, 10, 10 to 16 year old, whatever. It's like, damn, I can see the appeal. Like, I can see why people get into it. Um, now, for me, rightly or wrongly, as I said, I can understand you can become very entrepreneurial about it. What did you learn back then in terms of an entrepreneurial mindset? Did you take anything away from it that you that you use today? Yeah, I would say uh, business. Like, you know, um, now, don't get me wrong, the stakes are different. Yes, right? of course. You, you mess up somebody's money, you know. So I didn't, I didn't add the caveat to initially. The caveat is you can do all those things, but the downside is you can die or you can go to yeah. jail. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, you know, 
you, you but you do learn business in a lot of in respect and the, the way you move and talk to people. Those are things that stay with me to this day. Like I, you know, we had, we were talking a little bit before. I told you I, have a, I still have a healthy respect for the guys out in the street. Yeah. Whether I agree with them or disagree with some of the stuff and ideology of, of the street, like I look at that like. You know, I know what the cost of disrespecting somebody can be or even perceived disrespect. So that's how I, I still move like that today. And with the real estate, you know, I, I want people I want to you know, I don't want to ever disrespect anybody. I want people to feel good about what's going on. And also business is business. That's the other thing, too, that I take away from that. Like there's never a reason to either short anybody or you know, take advantage of anybody in business. In my mind, and that's that's those are probably the the lessons that I could say I learned. For me, though, I I never my approach now is a little bit more um, a go getter. So when I was in when I was a kid in the street, I didn't really there were guys that did it every day, all day. That was their lifestyle. They made a lot of money. You know, quite a, quite a few of them are locked up. Quite a few of them are not here today because of that. And I I just kind of hung out. Made a little money. I was happy making a little money, spending a little money. I was never like, like that entrepreneurial spirit was never there for me. I did see guys who had high aspirations. Again, with respect to what we're talking about, you know, I, I saw guys that had that hustle. So you had that hustle. You had, uh, it was a major thing to treat people with respect. And um, so those are the things that stay with me today. Like, I'm, I'm trying to go get it right now, mm. real estate. My work, my nine to five. I'm trying to go get it, so yeah. those things stay. Yeah. And does that? I mean, you you would have built up a good bullshit detector then, being on the street. As it, does yeah. that still serve you today? Have you picked up on any uh, fuckery while you've been doing while you've been on your real estate journey? Yeah, I would, I would say that did, but also in general life. You know what I'm saying? You get yeah. around people. You, you know, you, you live long enough, and you have enough experiences with people, you know, doesn't mean you can't get got. Anybody can, you know, it can happen, especially um, now the space that I'm in, I'm more giving and I'm more forgiving and I'm more willing to, you know, go, go the extra mile to make sure other people are comfortable. That doesn't always serve you well, but because um, I'm able, I, I'm in that space. Sometimes the BS might, evade me for a little while mm. but it, it does keep you it, it, it does keep you on your toes you're always watching your back out there you're always weary of things so it does keep you on your toes but the space i'm in now i don't even know if i really apply it as much as i did in my youth yeah okay so let's fast forward to when this all started why real estate all right so you know growing up we grew up uh, were conditioned to, uh, you know, hey, go to college, you can get a trade, work, work to you 65 or well, now it's 65, 66, but you work until you retire and then you quote unquote enjoy life. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think we need to discuss how much of a problem I have with that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then you get to enjoy your life. And you know, I bought into that, you know, and I still, I'm still going to work. I'm still going to do the things that, you know, I'm still going to grind, still work my nine to five. But, you know, as, as 
you know, life goes on and you kind of just like, man, you know, I see people enjoying life a little more than I am. And a lot of it boiled down to the resources people have and money and the access to money. So I've always, you know, had a little, little inkling and wanted to see what, what that was. But I never really felt confident about it because for me, I had to be able to like touch things or see things in order for it to make sense to me. So if I looked on TV, you know, you see somebody who's an actor who's making a lot of money. Well, I, you know, I can't do that. So I can't make that kind of money. Or you see somebody who's an athlete, you know, I can't make that kind of money. Or somebody who's some, some specific talent that people will pay for. So I wasn't, and so my, my thinking was more like, okay, that's what they do. I couldn't, I, I don't know any actors. I don't know any famous people. So, you know, I wasn't able to touch and feel that. But I do know about paying a landlord. And I did know people who, had, uh, you know, my landlord, I would talk to um, one specific one. He, they owned like, it was like six or seven units. Uh, I think they were all two bedroom. You know, and he, he owned that. And, you know, I was like, you know, man, you know, started thinking like, oh man, I'm paying all this money. And he's, you know, I'm paying off his mortgage. But then it was like, okay, how do you, again, I wasn't taught to do these things. So how do you buy a house? How do you qualify? And I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. But years ago, I saw in a, in a newspaper, a physical newspaper. I don't know if you young guys know about that. But a physical newspaper, there was this seminar for first-time home buyers. It was like a four-week course. You go there, they, they, they get you in touch with real estate lawyers, real estate agents, credit. They, they get you in touch with everything, walk you through everything. And I got this certificate. That's when I bought my first home in uh, 2003. But that was a single family home. So I knew I got into real estate then, but not, you know, that was more for like comfort. I wanted a yard. I wanted a fence. I wanted to be able to play my music as loud as I, I wanted to. And then from there, it transitioned into me thinking about being a landlord. But again, for whatever reason, I didn't process that. It was was essentially the same thing. So you you have the house and you somebody say, well, you know, you should get in real estate. Well, you are in real estate if you own your own home or if you're you're paying for your home. You are in real estate. I didn't, for whatever reason, that there was no connection there. It's the same process where you, you know, you got to find the house. To make an offer, you gotta, you know, get well, your real estate agent. You look for houses. You make offers. You know, it's the same process. But I didn't, for the reason I didn't connect that to um, something that I was actually already doing, or that I already did, or I knew how to do. But um, I ran into. I'm always looking for motivational things, and I found um, a guy named Jamal King, and his 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 moniker is the nine to five millionaire. And it's it's uh, basically don't quit your day job, use your day job to facilitate, you know, use your assets to facilitate you buying real estate. And I, and I you know, I wasn't, of course, I kept looking at it. I wanted to take it, but I was like, no, nah. but then, the, then it went on sale. So I said, let me jump on it. And from, from there, it literally walked you through the process of creating an LLC, 
for protection. Um, and then um, I like following that that blueprint step by step led me into you know right into where I'm at now, you know buying properties and constantly looking. Matter of fact, I'm going to look at something tomorrow morning. I had two I have two offers in for something. Still, they didn't still didn't get back to me, but I put in two offers for something earlier that earlier this week. You know, it just walked me that that um nine to five millionaire walked me through the process, and now I'm all in. I'm I'm ready to go. But again, not quitting my day job though. Mm. Is there an emotional attachment to this for you, with your past being escorted out of your family home? Is there an emotional attachment? for uh, in this for you yeah yeah for me the emotional attachment is you know my kids i never want my kids to have to experience that i i I think about that and i think about the struggle and i think about my mother working three jobs and you know cleaning hotels and you know she's a um she would take care of uh uh, she was like a nurse's aide, so she would take care of people. She would be going all week. She would work at the other people's house all week and then be home on the weekend. So you imagine you don't see your mom. You can, all these things play in, play in my, you know, my psyche about how I want either myself to live, but also to um, my kids and potentially grandkids, you know, things like that. I want my kids to hit the ground running. You know, so a lot of that that, that does you know, follow me. That does motivate me. I do remember when we were in a homeless shelter, I remember my mother crying, saying that, you know, don't worry, this is not going to last. You know, this will never happen to us again. And once we, and once we got out of there, um, you know, we kind of, everybody kind of pulled together and, and, you know, it didn't happen again for, you know, family-wise. Like I said, I ended up in the YMCA when I was, uh, my early 20s, but that's because I moved, took a job, moved somewhere. I didn't have a place to stay. So I say, you know what, I'm going to live in the YMCA until I start getting paid. And, and that motivates me emotionally. I, I I just want, I remember those days and I don't ever want to meet myself or I definitely don't want my kids to ever have to go through that. So th- that emotional attachment is there. Mm. Yeah. So given your experience and given the your mindset then what would you say to the broad attitude is a young black man can't make it well it, it, it all if, if the broad if that's the broad attitude i would you know i fight against that mm. i think i think you can make it a lot of it is opportunity and access to information um, which has never been more abundant right now now you now you have the information and you also need certain people you know you're, you're five you know the people that you surround yourself with as well if you're around people you can you can have good intentions if you're around four or five people that are constantly telling hey man nothing out there it's nothing yeah. out there and they saw and they believe that you know it's it's a hard transition to get from you know what your environment is to what you want your environment to be so you need that access need information 
but you also need, like I told you, I needed to see and feel somebody that I could that actually doing it. So you can look at somebody making it and go, that's them over there. But so, sort of like what we do when uh, when it comes to like like a celebrity who stays in shape, right? Well, they have personal trainers, they have cooks, they have that. We make all these excuses as to why we can't do it because it looks like somebody that they're over there. It looks like something different, but it's actually not. Um, I don't deny that there have been and there still is, you know, roadblocks in a way. But I, I'm of the mindset of, that, you know, my family's relying on me. You know, my kids are relying on me. So whatever the obstacle is, whatever I need to do, that's what I'm going to do. Whoever I need to go through, you know, not literally, but, you know, whatever I need to do, whatever, I, whatever wall I need to knock down. If I if I if I, if the wall doesn't get knocked down, it won't be because I didn't try to knock it down. It's gonna be because the wall was just too thick. Yeah. I banged my head, I bloodied, concussed, I couldn't make it through. But it's not gonna be because I went up to the wall and was like, mm, the wall looks a little thick. Let me go sit my ass back down and you know go to being mediocre. Mediocre, sorry. Yeah, I think that plays a massive role in how people grow and develop. Uh, you surround yourself with the five people you most want to be like in order to get ahead. Um, otherwise, the five people that you surround yourself with today, um, like it's Dan Pena, who's got this famous speech who says, um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. There was a few fucks put in there as well, but show me your <laughs> friends and I'll show you your future. And it's so true. If you yeah. don't move out of that, I don't know, if you don't move out of that ecology, if you don't move out of that space, it's it's so true. You're just going to stay there. You've, you've got to surround yourself with those people who you intend to be just like. So if you want to be a millionaire real estate mogul, you hang around with those guys. You get involved yeah. with them. You have conversations. You become part of that scene. And it seems like you, you've done it and, and you, you're, you know, your first step to... I mean, I'd love to talk to you in 10 years' time and you've got like, I don't know, 100 properties and you you don't have to work. And it just, I mean, is that the plan? Is that, Are you just going to go big or go home? Yeah, that's it, man. That's it. I'm, I'm all in. You know what I mean? Whatever, you know, the, the idea was to, you know, like see what you have, see what assets you have, see what, you know, take from myself, took from certain things. I refinanced the house, cashed out that cash. Took a little bit out of my my retirement. I borrowed it for myself, so I'm paying myself back. You know, things that I did to facilitate me buying a property. And then you get that property, you get that positive cash flow, that net cash flow. Now, oh, okay, now I'm on to the next. Now I'm looking. Now I'm looking again. I'm looking. So, the idea is to continue to do it. I can literally do this and hand this down to the next generation. Not going to, as long as my mind is working and I'm able to look at a deal or at least pass on information on how you look through a deal, how you, when you walk through the house, things you're looking for, or what you, you know, business-wise, you want to be specifically, you have a business plan, have a team. I, you can do those things. You can do those things till you drop. Mm. So for me, it's like, okay, I can still do these things. I don't ever want to, I don't ever feel like I'm going to be like, okay, ooh, I'm good now. Yeah. I have goals. When I reach those goals, you know, we said new ones. On a side note, you mentioned the five people. How does it feel to be in, 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 in one of the five, one of the four that I look up to and that I, 
you know, bounce, we bounce ideas off of and, and uh, constant contact. It's the, you know, I, I get motivated by you as well. Any, any other people in the, in the, in the, in the all-stars, I, I get motivated by you. You guys keep me. I, t- I said plenty of times, like, there's days when I'm just like, man, I pop on that boxer, listen to them messages, you know, do a little, you know, a little joking, a little, but it's a lot of heart in there, a lot of grit, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, oh, shit, and he's going through this. He just got up. And, oh, man, you know what? And Lee's going to work. When you say, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be going, I'm just five hours here, and it's a three-hour ride home. I drive 10 minutes to my job. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, be around people that are going to get it. Like, you're going to get it. You, whatever, if you do nothing entrepreneurial, the fact that you are willing to drive three, four, five hours, spend time in a hotel away from your family to earn a living. And like I said, I drive 10 minutes. I love the actual job. I love my job. So the fact that, you know, you, you're around people that are going to get it, that's a big deal. Even in some of my worst days, seeing, you know, people in the group, like, going to get it or aren't walking eight hours. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's fucking Army. shorts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, oh, yeah, you know, I got some houses to clean. Yeah. I got three or four houses to clean. I don't even want to make my bed. Yeah, right. She's so going to go clean four, four houses. Chipper, too. Oh, yeah, I got to get up and uh, uh, four houses to clean, and then I'm going to go do a run. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Text me when you're finished. <laughs> yeah. Stay motivated. Howard starting to, uh, from scratch, protein powder, like the research that goes into this stuff. So, like, that makes me, like, when I hear this stuff, I, I literally, like, this time, whether we get off the call or I listen to Voxer, the message, I pop up on my laptop. I'm looking at houses. Yeah. I'm saying I'm with the podcast. I'm like, oh man, I got to do this research. I got to, you know what I'm saying? So that is true. Having the people around you doing these things and we all in different fields, but it's the same thing, man. It's the same thing. We, we, we are there to motivate each other. And if one person is having a down week, you see what happened. You know, there's that encouragement. There's that, no, I keep on fighting, man. And even if it's not said, it's implicit in our behavior. Even if nobody in the group says, Lee, let's go. If I get on, I tell you, yeah, man, I got, I got to go. I'm looking at three properties this week. I'm going to get up. I'm at work. I'm doing another 16 hour shift. Even if I never say anything to you, it's implicit in our behavior. So getting around, getting around people that are doing that is, is a really, really big deal. I'm, I can't be more of an advocate for that and surrounding yourself with good people. Yeah. Then, now I I see it. Yeah. More. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I came on the other day and I noticed for a couple of days it was getting a bit quiet and <clears throat> excuse me. It was getting a bit quiet. So I took everybody to task. You know, I held everybody's feet to the fire. I was like, Mark, where's where's your fucking courses for your podcasting? You know, why are you yeah. not teaching people how to set up podcasts? Howard, where's your where's your meal plans? Where's your fucking PDFs and you're charging four ninety nine for these diet plans, you know, Rodney, where's your, um, how to get started PDFs. And I was really get cause I think everybody needed it, especially me. And it's, you know, the more I started talking about it, even though it's like, all right, Lee, what are you doing? 
that just starts getting me fired up. And I'm, I'm driving to work and I'm like on Voxer six times before I get to work. And I was like, oh, fucking, he's back again. <laughs> but it just gets you fired up. The more you talk, the more you communicate with other people who are on the same journey or, or you know, heading towards the same destination, different, you know, points, different points of the harbor, let's say, but you're all going down the same road. And I get myself fired up. Um, and going back to what you said about um, reinvesting, it's like a self-fulfilling ascension when it comes to uh, drawing out cash from a property that's that's got equity. Once you take that first step, it's and you're doing it properly, you're already funding the next property. It's right. it's, it's it's really interesting the way people keep going on about. I mean, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I've done a little bit of research into it. But people are like oh, you know, I need a so-and-so deposit and then I've got to get another deposit. It's like, no, you don't. You don't. You refi mm. that house. You put the equity into that house. You buy that house. As long as you've got positive cash flow, it doesn't fucking matter. It really doesn't. Right. Right. And that's the idea. That's the idea to keep it funded, used. And um, part of the course was the idea of the each property having um, an assignment. So you don't, if I buy a house, right, or if I'm looking for a house and after the tenants pay rent, say I'm looking to get $800 net cash flow out of this property every month after rent, my mortgage is paid. Each property should have an assignment. So this house, that that's, this is, this money is going to go on my mortgage of my personal home. So I'm using that house, the net cash flow to pay my mortgage where I live at. So I'm not paying a mortgage. My tenants are paying the mortgage on that house and they're paying a the mortgage on this house. So my next house will be for, let's say you got a lot of credit card debt. Next house is going to pay for your credit card. The next house is going to be your, your, um, fund another business, you know, for your startup. The next house will be for your vacation fund. Yeah. So every house has an assignment, has a purpose. So in that case, when you, when you, when I buy a property and I'm looking at it and I go in, I want, I want the people that are going to rent to stay there. I want to treat it like, man, this is paying my mortgage. So why wouldn't I? I don't want to, you know, some of the properties we look at, you see the landlords, the owners haven't taken care of them people are willing to live anywhere. Um, but why do that to people? Why not provide them with an experience? Uh, obviously it's a business, so you want to get your fair market for the rent, but I also don't want to just make it a business to the point where, you know, I'm not beholden to any shareholders, so I don't have to answer to, you know, the board where they're like, okay, well you made, you know, Three million this year. We want you to make four. So figure out ways. That, no, I'm not beholden to anybody like that. I can make it a little bit more personal. It is business, but I can make it a little bit more personal. So um, each property having a purpose helps along the way too, because it's not just a property. That is my vacation fund at this house. So I want to keep. I want the house the upkeep. I want to make sure you know there's no draft in the windows. I want to make sure the furnace. These are things that I want to make sure because this my you know my my other business is relying on this money to come in. And the only way you can get that money to come in is if this, this, this other, because they're basically banks, right? 
Yes. If this, if this other bank, if this bank is funding my other property, so you want this bank to be standing tall, you want it to be sturdy, you want it to have a good foundation. So having that idea that each property has a purpose is a big deal too. Mm. Yeah. Would you, would you say that it's easy to get into or would you recommend anybody who wants to get into it takes one of these property courses? Um, I would say it's, it's easy to get into if, if you know, first of all, anything you want to do, you, you just got to, like, the, the information is out there. So if it's something you want to do and you actually have a genuine love for it, it's going to be easy. It'll be easy to do because, you know, I, I, I enjoy this. Um, once you read up on it and you see how close you are to actually doing it, then it becomes even more like, oh, get that information and you can vet the information. And not just with not just with real estate guru. You can look it up. You know, you can talk to a tax professional about the benefits and talk to a real estate agent. You know, you can talk to a landlord. So and, and and I find that most people are willing to share information with you. Mm. Very rarely I find like if you ask somebody a genuine question that is doing something, if you ask somebody that's doing something, like, hey, how did you do that? Most of the time, I, 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 I can't remember too many times where I've actually asked and people was like, no, nah, I'm not going to share that with you. Most people are, are very willing to share the information. So I think, I think it's fairly easy to get into. But again, it's, you have to, it's a business, so you don't want to get into it, you know, willy-nilly or, or, you know, if you have a business practice, like, for instance, right now, the market is crazy. Properties are going in, in a, it's a, it's a, a seller's market, but that doesn't mean that as a buyer that I'm going to just buy anything because it is a seller's market. You have to be willing to walk away from properties and not just buy something to say you have something. You know, you don't want to just get into the, how many? I bought a property. The guy who created the property, Jamal King, he looked at, I think it was 77 properties before he bought his first one. Mm. He didn't just, you know, and this was, this was before the internet. This is 20 years ago. His program is 20 years worth of his knowledge. So you have, now you're talking physically going to 77 different properties before you find your first deal. That sounds like a lot, but the, the importance there is that he didn't just jump in and just, you know, he didn't just grab the first house to say he's into real estate. He waited to the opportunity in the business in the business sense. So as long as you really genuinely enjoy what you're doing and you really want to do it, it's not hard to get into, but you definitely want to make sure that your business is on point. You don't want to just get in there and decide, I want to, I, they, they, look, I just bought this house. Well, yeah, well. Yeah, I paid three hundred grand for it, but the house only worth two fifty. Yeah, but I'm a landlord. Okay, well we, you know, things like that. You don't want to do that, but I, I would say it's easy to get into. Yeah, I mean, even though you're, it's a property, it's still, you still technically have to treat it like a like a product. You have to have that markup on it, you know. Right. Um. I was gonna. Oh Christ! What was I gonna ask you then? Um. Oh, my brain's gone dead. Um, oh, fuck. 
I had a brilliant question. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to have to write the time down now because I've cut that fuck up out. <laughs> hey, um, that, that's why, that's one of the things that I'm like, when, when I start live streaming, that's what I'm, because I'm good at editing, taking things out. That live stream, baby, everybody looking at you and it's, you, yeah. know, you can't edit that. I'm sorry, yeah. Do you keep your eye on the economy as a whole or stock markets? Because the reason why I ask is because there's all sorts of red flags and warning signs and uh, economical commentators talking about uh, a crash at the moment. Obviously, that's going to affect the housing market. So if you're looking for another property right now, are you playing defense at the moment and just waiting for it to cool down a bit? Or are you just still, regardless of what the markets are doing, are you still looking for a deal? As long as you can find a deal, carry on regardless. Yeah, that's the idea for me. Um, same thing like like um, people in the stock market, they make a lot of money buying a dip. You know, it's the same thing. Like, you know, if, if I see a deal, and because I'm not flipping properties, I'm buying and holding. So I didn't say that when I initially talked about it. But Yeah, because that's, com- that's a completely different business model altogether, isn't it? Right. Um, it's basically the same, but if you're flipping a property... And you, you say you you are you know it's a rehab. It basically, it's a rehab, and it's a it's a um, hard money loan. Maybe you use twelve to twenty four month terms, but you just um, and then once you're done with the project, that's when you refinance and um, you know you, you you pull your cash out. But if you so today, me and you, we go look, find a house needs hundred thousand dollars worth of rehab. We get it for a good price. Because after the after we have value is going to be, you know, four hundred grand. We're going to be all in at two hundred grand. The numbers work out, but the market crashes before your project is over, and you're trying to flip it. Now you're not going to get your money out. Yeah. If I'm buying and holding, obviously the mortgage won't be the best mortgage, but because I'm looking to put people in there and rent it out it still will have some value for me. So it's not like, so I'm not, I haven't got the confidence to do any flips yet. Right. I definitely pay attention to the market. Definitely pay attention. But um, it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be like a lull, maybe even a crash was supposed to happen. (laughs) Maybe like in August or something like that. Yeah. But for whatever reason, you know, real estate is still hot. Prices are still going up. Well, it's because so I, I, Jerome Powell is throwing dollar bills out of the Fed. That's why, isn't it? Yeah, well, listen, man, you know, and, and slowly but surely people are starting to, average people are starting to look at the value of the dollar and move in a way that, you know, look at themselves as, oh, no, nah, I'm going to invest. Mm. I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to as opposed to before it was like, look, how much money can I have? How much money can you save? How much money can you have in your savings account? Mm. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the value of the dollar going down. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we we definitely pay attention to the market and what's going on. But at the same time, because I'm not flipping, you know, I don't 
you know, I don't overanalyze it because I'm not looking to flip properties at this time. Mm. So are you predominantly looking for single family homes, duplexes, or is this small fry for you and you're looking for big, big multiplexes in the long term? Right now, the most I would do, I, I, we, we had an offering on a, um, a six unit rehab. So I would do that. So after four units, it's considered commercial here, but definitely the more rents that you have in, in, available to you, the better. You know, you want to be able to, if so, if you got a no single family home, I look at this. The only way I would do a single family if it was like a really good flip, and I could, you know, get that done. But at least two, at least two units. Mm. One of the units, one of the units would be paying the mortgage, and the other unit would be cash flow. Three units would be even better. Four units would be, you know, even better. So I'm looking for multi units, but I I am in talks with um, a good friend of mine and two other guys who they want to do in the next. Five years, he said five years from now, is where our, our trajectory is going in that direction. But he said five years from now, he wants us four to get together and do something major, you know, maybe buy up a block or something like that. So wow. that's, yeah, that's the, that's the trajectory that he looked at what we're doing. He's like, man, this, this is going to happen for us. He's speaking it into existence. Mm. He's saying that we got, we, we're going to go out of state and buy us a building. That's what he wants to do. So everything's in play. And, um, but you know, again, business has to, has to make sense business wise, but I, I I'm open to, and I, and I have the, I have the availability, um, to do a major project, but you know, I, I, I know I share with you guys, I'm not going to talk numbers, but I share with you guys what I, I have the ability to do, Oh yeah. but, uh, to have the, you're really, you know, it has to be that, that deal has to be, you know, so good. For me, mm. that I would jump in, you know, I to jump in all hand, feet, hands, everything, dive in it, whole dive body. <laughs> yeah. Put, Rub put yourself in Vaseline and, and just get in. <laughs> yeah. Put all the cars, all the cars on the table. What they say? All in, chips on the table, all this stuff. You know, so to be able to, that feels good too, to be able to have the, the financial backing. Somebody have somebody look at my portfolio, my finances, and say, "Look, if you want to, you can you can get this kind of deal." Mm-hmm. So it is exciting, and I and I want to get as many as possible. To be honest with you, but right now, two two units to two two to six units is what I'm mainly looking at. That's my market. Wow, is there an industry industri- industry recognized level uh, or percentage of? Um, return on investment that you're looking for? Normally, I would say, you know, I would say you want to be around 10 to 12. But, I, you know, um, as far as what my, the formula I use and which is a standard formula for um, is if you don't want to pay retail prices. Do you want, if you, the idea is to get it for 70% of what it's, what it's worth. That's how you have to get the equity. Now, if the deal is, if the deal is sweet, 
So if you get it, say you get a four unit and um, one of the units actually pays for the whole mortgage, then you have three units worth of cash flow. You might pay retail for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's, you won't be looking at your ROI on that. You might you be looking at, okay, I, my mortgage is $1,500. Each apartment is getting $1,500. So I'm cash flowing. $4,500 a month. Mm. And in that, you know, in that case, your, your ROI would be affected, but you, you, you want to look at it like, man, I got this retail. I paid, I paid asking price for the property, but if you pay an asking price and, and me, at least for me, if, if I'm paying asking price and I can really cash out, then I think that's, that'll be worth it as well. So it's, for me, not necessarily one, one way or you know, one particular ROI, one number, I just kind of look for the deal and look for what I'm looking to get out of the property, the cash flow. So my next, my next property I'm looking, it's already, it's already decided, looking to get 12 to $1,500 per month cash flow for the next property. Wow, that's impressive. So how do you go about valuing a property for yourself? Um, when you look, when I look at stocks, because I've, done a little bit in stocks and I've learned that you have to value a stock yourself. You have to decide what is it worth to me? Is it worth my time? Uh, sorry, is it worth my cash going into this into this company? So there's a way of valuing a stock. So how do you go about valuing a property as opposed to um, just listening to the realist to, to the the realtor? All right, so if I if I go into a property, there's a couple of things you want to look at for me. A couple of things I'm looking at. The area that the property's in and if there's some growth in the area. You know, if you see that um, there's new construction as opposed to a place where there's not much going on that you can just buy and rent out. You, know, you might you might get a lower, a, a lower the value of the house might be you know, it might be a cheaper house you buy it for less money, but potentially down the road, you know, if you're paying attention to like um, like city council meetings and stuff like that, if you see the developers are here, then that value is different because now, hey, you know what, I'm going to buy this property, but look, they're building, you know, there's a Starbucks getting built, things like that, that now you know the property value is going to go up. So, and also too, when you're renting these properties, your pitch is close to the highway, five minutes from this, two minutes from that. So I try to look, when I value it, I try to look at all of that. Try to look at what's near, what it's near, you know, the convenience of the place, um, off-street parking as well. Now people like to park in the driveway or in the garage. You get a couple of, um, you know, two or three car garage and people have access to that. So the way I value it depends on the area and also to some, sometimes I, I try to um, balance between my standard, like what I want to live here and the things that I would like to have, in, you know, if I lived in a property and also, like I said, the development, if there's any new development. So you have to be paying attention to what's going on. So I value when I'm valuing a property, I try to, Look at all of that. And I know that seems like a lot, but when you walk in, in the area, when you drive, 
a drive in the night. You know, don't just go look at the property during the day. Take a ride out here at night, mm. you know. Or take a ride by on a nice day. See what's going on outside. See how the people, how the neighborhood is, you know. So, you know, all of that goes into how I value it, uh, a property. Yeah, and again, it comes down to giving yourself access to that information. If you know that in 12 months' time, this you know, new new development's coming on or they're building a new Burger King or, you know, shopping complex. It's just access to information and whether you can right. be asked to get off your fat fucking ass and f- find this <laughs> shit out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a little tougher now because it's 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 easing up, you know, because, of, you know, the, the pandemic. But, you know, for a while, like, to, to be able to, you know, and everything moved virtually, so you can have access to that now. That was the smart thing. They were able to, you know, the world really started moving everything virtually. But, you know, during, during initially, during the, um, during the height of it, like to, to know what's going on and get into a meeting. There was no meetings, you know. City Hall was closed. You know, there were things like um, to even look at a house. You know, people were like, nah. Know, the tenants. I'm not letting anybody in, you know, because, you know, because of the, because of the pandemic. So challenges and stuff like that. But you know, I think, um, you know, if if it's something that you really want to do, and like you say, you get up off your ass and get that information, or like I said, just ask somebody. You ask somebody. The people that are doing it will. Very few times have I come across people that are just like, nah, whatever the information is. General questions. Somebody's doing something, fitness tips. Well, you know, doing the podcast, asking people to interview, you know, interviewing a politician whose time is, you know, if you ever see them, they're, they're pretty short with the answers. They're very diplomatic with the answers, but a lot of times they get access to people. But, you know, you, you ask some amazing people to give you some of their time. And people are willing to give you their time. So, so maybe, you know, if you get the confidence or you feel like, man, I'm not going to ask Lee. He ain't he doing this. He's not going to want to tell me what's going on with that. Nah, you ask the people, you'll be surprised. That information is there. Mm. Getting I, up off that app. Yeah. I learned a trick uh, the other week. If you can ask a question, if you can get information out of somebody, but ask a question in a way that gets them to talk about themselves, you're more likely mm. to get the answer out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah. fucking hell, because people love to talk about themselves. Yeah, it's just the way you ask just, a question. It's, it's really, really interesting. Yeah, I think um, that's one of the things that uh, it's a skill, you know. But yeah. if you know what you're doing, if you if you if you if you know what your goal is, you know, a lot of times, um, <clears throat> is in my day job. A quote unquote day job, even though I work overnights. Yeah. But my day job, a lot of it is dealing with the public and say there's like um, a room search going on in the college dorm. And you are in their room and you're essentially in their home. It's a college kid, but that's their home. They're upset because they didn't do anything. The roommates don't reason why you're in the room. It's three in the morning doing a room search. This kid has an 8 o'clock class, so he's going to be upset because he didn't do anything. Roommate did it. He wants no no part of it. 
getting upset. And you can see that he's fidgety. You can see that he's upset. You can see, you know, his physical posture is, you know, aggressive. My mind goes into how, what, what is the goal? The goal here is to get the room search done and leave. How am I, how are we going to do that? This kid is upset. I want to look on his, the posters on his wall. You know, I say he's the New York Giants fan. Oh, who's the Giants fan? Oh, 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 what do you think about so-and-so? What do you think about Daniel Jones? What do you think about? Start asking. And because my goal is to get out of there safely. Yep. But also, too, I want him to be comfortable. So finding that that thing to connect with somebody, like you said, getting them to talk about themselves. Um, people want to feel valued. People want to be respected. So I get it. Definitely get it. I didn't even think about that. But I apply that, at, you know, pretty much every day at work. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Psychology can, if you learn a little bit of psychology, it can serve you in a in a big, big way. Um, yeah, I was saying to my uh, my niece today, it's 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 annoying really because it's almost like, and I think I can talk about our both of our governments governments respectively. They're doing a disservice to young people by not giving them financial education or teaching in entrepreneurial skills um i said to my my niece today i said if they invested in entrepreneurialism and financial acuity i think that's the right word at schools in 20 years time it will be the biggest return on investment they've ever ever seen it's really frustrating that they you know if it ain't broke, don't fix it attitude is not serving them at the moment. It hasn't served us for, I mean, I, I would say the best part of 80 years. Yeah, yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that. You know, one of the things that uh, my new chief, he did when he came into the department was he said, uh, he would ask questions about certain things we were doing. And if the answer was, because a lot of the answers was, well, I don't know why we, this is what we've been doing since I've been here. He was like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. If we're just doing stuff just because we did it before, you know, take that out of it. If you don't have a solid reason for doing this stuff, oh, yeah, that, uh, well, we've just been doing it all these years. It, it, it's not acceptable anymore. I think um, because uh, even though government is supposed to be by the people, for the people, blah, 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 um, you know, things that are handed down to us. All these things are, whether it be religious, whether it be family, all this stuff is handed down to us. And to, it's easy just to fall into that, hey, man, this is what we do. Yeah. And this is why, and hey, look, this is what we always did. And, you know, you need people to push against the grain. You need people to make noise. You need somebody with a bullhorn disrupting the crowd a little bit. You know, if nothing else, to provoke thought, a different thought. Yeah. You know, every, most people have open minds, even though we hold tight to our, you know, dogmatic view of the <laughs> Jedi, hold tight to that. You know, we, we, are, we a lot of people are free thinkers. Mm. And if you, if somebody's yelling, the psychology of it, if somebody's yelling, screaming the top of their lungs, they get your attention, and then it's like, well, what, what, what's going on over there? Why are they yelling? Now you're listening to what they're saying, and if you know something may resonate with you, if it just if it's just one or two words, it may resonate with you. So you need that. But 
for, you know, things been working for the people in power. So, you know, why would they, why am I going to, you know, my, these guys, these are family. These are legacies that are handed this stuff to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So um, they're not thinking about enriching the Meekin family. Yeah. You know, they're thinking about, hey, what's, what's best for my family? Yeah. We'll just keep running that hamster wheel of, like I said, go to school, take our loans, go to college, pay the loans back, student loans are crazy. It's just like so much stuff that that financial literacy and things that should be readily readily available to us, the common person, is just not. We don't teach that. And, and you know, it's up to us to kind of do that, teach our kids that, we show them nothing else. Yeah. Well, the information is readily available. It's not being directly taught, but it is readily available if you know where to look. And I've got a theory, I think, within the next 30 years, education systems are going to be, I want to say outsourced. I don't mean outsourced. I think the education system is going to be what it's going to be, but people's pursuit of knowledge, acquirement of information is going to be outsourced to the internet. I mean, it already is. But when you've got companies like Udemy and uh, what's the other one? Um, there's another subscription service. I mean, you can go on to these places and get a certification, a qualification, a diploma in psychology, hypnotism, uh, real estate. I mean, all these crazy... I mean, you can pretty much learn anything for 30 bucks on the internet. Right. Um, and it's a shame that these schools aren't recognizing this. I mean, I, I, I would I would go so far as to abolish the education system completely. And you, you can then have a an a la carte, um, you know, uh, pickings of your choice at like, uh, you know, like um, Sky TV over here. I don't know what you have over there, but we, we've got Sky TV and then you can go, oh, I'll have that bit. I'll have that bit. I'll have the kids. I'll have the entertainment. I'll take a bit of music and then they charge you accordingly at the end of the month. Is that the way education right. is going to be in, in the next 50 years? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but you you just you just advocated for some anarchy. You want to <laughs> yeah <you wanna laughs> blow up the whole thing. That's my kind of you know. I, I like that. I like I I I do believe in that in theory. I think theory. Um, the fear is you know the transition, right? Because we're so used to things being a certain way. We fight against the tide when it comes to change, man. It's like, oh, you know, I people. People still are arguing over, like, you know, who's better, Biggie or Tupac? Oh, God, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's a simple, that's a, that's a, a macro, mm. micro thing when you think of how we hold on to things on a major level, you know, from race, religion, um, you know, sexual, like, People hold on to their things, and you see to get people to kind of, you know, and this is that's all education. That's that's all education. That's without the financial stuff. Mm. Okay? So to get people to come up off of their views, they, I know I know people that don't trust banks, and they put their money 
you know, in a in a shoebox. Yeah. And and if money's doing nothing for them, I mean, the bank is if it's if it's a regular savings account, it's not much better than putting it in your shoebox. Right. A couple of cents more, but essentially, you know, those the people that are that that have that cash in the shoebox. Those are the people that we need to get to to show them, you know, a better way to make that money work for them. Yes, because they already they already have the mistrust of the system and, and the banks and stuff like that. They already have the mistrust of it. So now, what do you do? Because if everything does go, if if cash, you know, disappears in Lee's world, anarchy, no cash, we just, you know, what do those people do? How do you, you know, we got to reach those people that are. Like already have that are looking for the knowledge, and a lot of it is, you know, people asking. People don't have the confidence to ask, or people think the question is stupid, so they may not ask the question. So a lot, it, 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 it's a little bit of that as well. Mm. What advice would you give somebody if if they came to you and said, "Hey, Rodney, I've got uh, five thousand dollars. I don't really want to put it in the bank. What do I do with it? How do, do I save it?" What information, what education would you give them in terms of a savings? Savings, I, I, I wouldn't, well, if the, I would, if you put it in the savings for the time being, if you want to do that, just until you decide. But I wouldn't say no longer than two months. Mm. You know, there's no reason for it to sit there any, any longer than two months, if anything. But if now you're, they have a little bit of reserve away. They don't have any credit card bills. You know, this is perfect scenario. They got $5,000 of extra money. Um, I would think, I would ask them if there's anything, that, you know, as far as business that they ever want, anything they wanted to create business-wise, look into that. I would direct them to YouTube. And investment for dummies. Yes, yes. Um you know, look into you know, the crypto, look into, you know, even if you do the, those, those blue chip, you know, the apples, look into these things. You know, if the money is 5,000 and just it's there and you sitting there and you have a little bit of reserve and, you know, then you're not missing it. I'm assuming they're not going to miss that. So yeah. I would direct them to the information. I wouldn't give them necessarily financial advice. I would direct them to the information and dive deep in it. So you can, you can, you can get, get on a YouTube video and uh, watch one video. It's going to recommend another and another and another. You can dive deep into that rabbit hole of whatever information you want to get. That's why, you know, as you said earlier, the information is there, you know, but some people like, I didn't have respect for YouTube, mm. you know, Ironically, you know, as I share with you guys, I'm moving my content to YouTube because now I looked at it, now I looked into it, and I'm like, man, you know what? There's a value there. And if I can create another lane and a possible other stream of income, then I know it's a slow crawl, but if I can do that, yeah, why not? But I didn't look at that. I just, you know, meanwhile, I was using it. Like, if I needed to like my years back like 10 15 years ago my lawnmower was like wasn't working or something like that I went and found a youtube video it literally I, I typed in the type of lawnmower i had 
And sure enough, somebody had the same lawnmower that I have with the same problem and walked me right through it. You know, so I would direct people to these to these search engines. And YouTube is, I want to say YouTube is the biggest search engine. Second biggest after Google. Yeah. yeah. So I and, and Google and YouTube are in bed, aren't they? Yeah. Well, it's the same company. Same same company's Alphabet. Yeah. 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 So I would direct to that search engine, man. That information is out there because, you know, I couldn't tell you that I did everything right financially, but definitely take that money, put it, put it aside. You don't you know, leave the cash in the house. You never know. Somebody could break in and take the cash, whatever. Put it in a bank for two months and then deep dive in for a couple of months. And then, you know, that's what I was telling somebody to do. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that 100%. Um, a friend of mine asked me about in saving um, because over here they, they they used to do it. They stopped it for a while, but they've also started it again. Basically, you, you get a grant when you have a baby. It's like, a, I think you get like 250, 250 quid, which maybe $300 or something. So basically the government go, okay, you've had a baby, so here's some money. Uh, and then put it in a, a savings account or an ISA, an instant saving, uh, uh, which is a tax-free savings account. You can put so much a month into it, uh, so much a year, sorry. And she was like, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I can't tell you what to do, but I can give you the facts. If you're going to put it in the bank, say you're going to put, let's say it's a £1,000. If you put a £1,000 into the bank in a year, your buying power of that £1,000 is going to be 20% less. I said, so you need to put 20% extra in just to say level. I said, so what I would do, I'm not telling you what to do, but I said, if it was me, I would put it into some kind of investment, even the S&P 500, even though there's a crash coming, even though there's crashed before, generally it goes up 10 to 14% per year. I said, so you're already exceeding inflation. You're already getting a couple of percent extra. So... It's up to you what you want to do, whether you want to pick a stock, whether you want to invest in a, an ETF or even put it into Bitcoin if you want to. But do not leave it to rot. Do something with it. <laughs> but yeah, as you say, it's, it's up to you what you want to do. Just get off your ass, go to YouTube. How do I invest? Simple. Yeah. Yeah, I, I um, as you said, that the uh, inflation, like between... So the money I have sitting in, the, in the, uh, an account that's ready for me to, you know, for my down payments on property, it's not gaining any, you know, I'm talking about pennies, right? Mm. I just, at my job, I got a 3% raise. Uh, I'm understand inflation like 6%. So I'm, you know, technically I'm losing money. Yeah. So the last thing I would tell somebody to do is just put it in the bank and let it sit there, let it rot. Like you said, I, I just, you know, but these are things that as a kid and growing, even as a young adult, like, man, I got to save some money. I got to save some money. And the, the idea of saving money was to put it somewhere and let it sit there and not do anything for you. It's not working for you. Yeah. I mean, it's familial, isn't it? You know, you get five quid for your birthday at 10 years old, put it in the bank, keep it in the bank. It's nice yeah. and safe. <laughs> Little do you realize when you're 40, it's like, hang on a minute, where's all my money? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's why I said we, we don't, we hold on to that. Man. That, that goes into, you know, I, when I talk to, sometimes I talk to somebody older and they're like, ah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't get on computers. I don't, that's what the future is, man. The future yeah. is technology. 
AI technology and you know Tesla and all these guys. These guys are looking to go to the moon. You know what I mean? And, and you don't want to you get you a laptop, get you some internet, and and take a look. Yeah. Even if you want a laptop, a, a PC at home or something, but. But we, we hold on to that stuff. And, it, it, you know, I don't blame people. You know, you, you, I just try to meet people where they are. Yep. And if we conversation goes there, go there. But it's tough to get people out of there if you, people just generally hold on to that. And it's like, it's almost like if you, if you do anything outside of what you were taught, it's almost like you're going against your family or your mother and father. Like, mm. you know, and it's not saying anything personal against your grandmother. She just didn't have the information that you had. You have new information now, so... You know, if your grandmother was your age at this time in this place with the technology, yeah, I think they would use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, somebody's listening to this and they're going, fuck me, this is interesting. I want to be a real estate investor. Rodney, give us three things that they should do first. Three things. So the first thing I would do is sit down with a financial advisor and go over your finances, see what you have. Um, and honestly, like have somebody really go in there to see what you have. And um, because a lot of times uh, we keep fooling ourselves on you know, our financial situation. So you want to know where you are so you can, you know, um, you know what you're you know Another thing I would tell them to do, um, well, the first thing I would tell them, so that, that would be the second. The first thing I would tell them to do is get a why. Now, why are you doing it? That's a big one. You know? Yeah, that's a big one. So you get that why, why you want to uh, get into real estate. Then I would say sit down with somebody, or if you, even if you just do it yourself, with your partner, your wife, your husband, or somebody you know, that can, you know, look at the numbers with you, sit down and go over your, your financials. And then the other thing I would tell you to do is whether it is a, um, a YouTube mentor, a uh, somebody who's actually doing it, your landlord, somebody who... Um, a friend that you know may have, may be involved in it, um, or if it's a real estate course, I would I would just it's let me let me walk back to real estate because I would be careful about the real estate courses per se. If you don't know what you're doing, or if you're not sure, but again, YouTube search engines, you know, Google it. How do I get into real estate? Mm-hmm. Get your why, check your finances, then you, you know, you move on it. The third thing would be to to to, to find the info, get the information. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's really good information. Um, okay, we're gonna wrap this up. I think. Well, that's hour and twenty minutes, and it's felt like twenty minutes. Um, where can we find you on the internet, Rodney? Oh, yeah, man. You can find me on YouTube. That's where everything is moving towards. I'm going to yeah. direct everybody to YouTube. It's a brother of a certain age. That's my YouTube page. 
I'll be, um, I, I enjoy interviewing. I'm going to have Lee and interview Lee. I just, I haven't decided if I want to do a live stream or uh, if we want to do a recorded. I am a, at this particular time, I need to be able to edit. <laughs> edit in real time as you're doing live. <laughs> that, would, that would be interesting. But, you know, I think, I think but because the conversation would be a little bit more natural and if there's something goofy or something, you know, I, if, if, it's, if it's on YouTube, I think with the live, I think that'll be pondering in a live conversation is different from pondering radio silence when you can't see the people. So yeah. I think it'll translate. I think it'll translate better if we're actually doing it live. So and also too having a chat room that can interact. So that I think that'll be cool. But yeah, so you can find me on YouTube a brother of a certain age. Mm. If you just right now, you can find me on uh Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google, uh Pod Chaser. Like I, I think like everywhere that there's audio podcasts, that's where yeah. you can find me. Yeah. What what is your if you could if you could describe your podcasts in five sentences, what are people going to hear that listen to your podcast? I'm I'm going to steal a little bit of harmony. I'm about humans supporting humans. That's Lovely. one thing. Um, I would like to have dialogue with people. I like to have dialogue with people that I find interesting or I find that can. Um, that have that can offer something to people. Uh, you said five sentences, and you hit, you already got me with the three things in real estate. Shoot, um, I would say you also gonna find um, you gonna find a, a honesty. Like I, I, mm. I really want to be honest and transparent with people. It's not gonna be all, you know, sunshine and going to be real people, real conversations. It's going to be humor, but it's, it's going to be some heavy stuff. And, and, and the main thing I want it to be, the main thing I think you'll find it is going to be relatable. Yes. I, talk to any, I talk to anybody. I don't care who you love. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your views are. If we can have an interesting conversation and a dialogue, and I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, and there's one I've listened to a couple of times, and... I don't know if you directed it to a certain type of person or whether it was up for interpretation, but it was um, lids on the jar. And I listened to that three times. And even though perhaps potentially it wasn't targeted to me, damn, I could relate to that. Fuck, it was such a good podcast. Really, really... Really good. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was more like, um, and I want to get more into the things like that. That was a passion project for me. Like, mm. I feel like, um, you know, there are things that have happened in, in, the, in, in our history that can explain the way we think as far as African-Americans or black people yeah. in America. Things that have happened that can kind of t- show, get you into the mind. Those are a couple of couple of examples. But I also wanted to add the, the message. Overall message was 
And you actually look, you know, there, whether it is, whether you believe it, for me, I want to operate life with, there is no lid on the jar, regardless of how it's been presented to me or how it, how it made I'm always going to push, no matter whatever the issue, I'm always going to push through it. And um, so that, that, that was the, that's what I wanted to convey amongst all those things I wanted to, wanted to be known that, you know, you think a certain way because of this, but you don't have to. You know. mm. Yeah, it might be ignorant for me to say this, but if you believe it, then it's true. Right. You know, and I'm sure. not saying that situations don't exist whereby, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but whereby it's very difficult yeah. um, for for young black kids or or, you know, any minority, but uh, yeah, if you believe it, then it becomes true, um, and I think oh, yeah. it's that mindset that people need to get out of. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. You know, amongst amongst everything, because at at the end of the day, you're we're here, you're alive, so you know that you have to the tides coming. Okay, all right, we know how powerful water is, right? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you know, you can navigate it and then other times you know that wave comes in and it pushes you so guess what if you never learn how to swim yeah then yeah it's a tougher haul even though it might be tough it's a tougher haul if you don't know how to swim yeah how to swim this you can navigate you know you can you can you know you know you know okay the, the wave's coming let me hold my breath let me tuck and roll Mm. And try to ride out the wave, and then look for an opportunity, you know, to gain my composure. Fuck, man, that's an amazing way to end this show. That was that was just fucking brilliant. That was incredible. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we finish up, Rodney? Nah, man. Just uh, yeah, I said nah. Then I'm gonna talk. Um, <laughs> yeah, just like I said, just push through it, you know. And and I'm an advocate for mental health. Men in particular, men, you gotta ask for help. Yep. You gotta ask for help. No, for me, there is no more, you know, being tough, manning up, not crying. There's no more of that for me. Ask for help. If you need help, ask for help. That's the one thing I I left out that I want to advocate for with my podcast and with the with the YouTube channel. Let's 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 ask for help, man. And the men that are out there being asked for help. You know, let's not, you know, demonize or minimize these men that need that help just because you're in a better place. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Rodney. I find you an ex- inspiration. Um, and I'm sure many, many people that listen to this is, are going to as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it, man. I really re- appreciate your time. Um, I've learned a lot from you tonight. And I'm sure loads of people will learn a lot as well. So thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate your time. Um, yeah. stay well stay safe and uh, yeah continue to uh, I don't know smash the real estate game I guess yeah man appreciate you having me man honored honored cool I'll see you soon buddy <laughs>